Welcome to another episode of the Most of Musa podcast. Today's podcast, I have my very good friend Abdisam on. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good as well. Thank you for joining me today. It is an honor to be here. <laughs> so, you came to Sweden around the same time as me, f- seven years ago-ish. Yes, 2014. And we met in high school. It was like, now I look back, it feels weird when you're just in a new country and you're thrown into this chaotic world of high school. Mm-hmm. And it's like, high school is a re- really weird place where everyone's everyone is controlled by their egos and yes. it's all about who's the most popular. And it's like the whole environment is so stressful. Yeah. There were very few Muslims in our high school, mm-hmm. you, me and you included. Did you feel like... Uh, it was hard to fit in? Uh, for me, it was harder to fit in because I don't know if you noticed, but I joined your class three months after you guys started because I started as the first year. And then I thought it was easy and I didn't have any friends. Everyone was like a year or two younger than me. And I cannot um, hang around people that are younger than me. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the way I am. So I really find it very challenging to be there. So I talked with our well with one of our teachers and I jumped one class uh, three months after you guys started so it was really hard IB is hard let's just put it at that and it's not hard it's the hardest it is the <laughs> hardest yeah and then joining a class three months after everyone has like established their like uh, base is mm-hmm. hard and then finding friends you know finding a good spot at class and everything that made it more challenging Mm-hmm. Sticking to the studies area, like when you jump from your old like school system to like the IB, did you feel like a lot of like big difference that you had to catch up with other people? Not just like because you started three months later, mm-hmm. but also because it was a completely different school system. Yeah, I mean, I made my research coming into this, but one of our school teachers, if you remember, um, I don't think we need to mention names, no, no. but uh, she, when I, the first ever, the first day ever I came to the school, she was like, uh, I don't think IB is for you. Do you know what IB is? It's like for extraordinary students. And I'm like, I know why I, what IB is. Like, I have read about it. And she was like, then tell me about it. So that kind of made me feel intimidated, like I was in a competition with others. So even if it was hard, I kept telling myself, it's not hard. You can do this. You can do this. So I tried to tell myself, oh, it's only hard because I came in later than the other mm-hmm. guys. But in reality, it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. But the way you talk about it, it's like, seems like you went in there with a lot more confidence than when I went in there. <laughs> I had a lot more confidence, but then that confidence crashed quite easily because mm-hmm. I failed most of my exams when I first joined IB. And for math especially, I failed almost yeah most of my exams until the end of the second mm-hmm. year. So I failed it the whole year, you can say. Uh, so that kind of, you know, made me doubt myself. I became, I don't want to say depressed because mm-hmm. that's a strong term, but I was dealing with a lot of stress mm-hmm. at that time. But when you finished the high school, what, did you go back to that teacher and said, aha, I told you so. I actually <laughs> talked with one of my friends because if you remember the very last day, mm-hmm. um, our teacher was like, I want to call someone to the stage first so that you can give her a round some applause. She was the only one who graduated with a bilingual diploma. And I'm like, who's that? And that was me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
I want I I really wanted that teacher to be there mm-hmm. and look at me and I'm like, look, these guys went uh, and <clears throat> to IB for like their entire lives or something Mm -hmm. but I came here and you didn't believe in me and I made it and I had that quite bad attitude and when I talked with my friends they were like it's not going to do you any good just you know leave it but this summer I watched Michelle Obama's uh, documentary Mm -hmm. and she was like she wanted to go back and talk with one of her teachers who didn't believe in her and told her oh you can't go to this university Mm -hmm. but it was too late because the teacher had quit working there or the passed away or something so after I heard that I was like oh my god I need to go there and tell her maybe in a respectful way Mm -hmm. that she shouldn't treat people like that or she shouldn't have assumptions about other people but I haven't done that yet because of corona Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm waiting for corona to be over but I'm definitely gonna do that it feels good to prove yourself wrong but it feels a slight better when you prove other people wrong (laughs) (laughs) exactly but I've noticed when other people like put you down in any way I guess that teacher didn't mean to be rude or anything, but that's just like maybe that was a reflection of her own perception of the world or how some students should be in this field and other students should be in the other field. I mean, I I don't think you need to have assumptions if you're... Mm -hmm. Uh, in that high position yeah, exactly. at school. Like, not even high position. Like, if you're working in school with mm-hmm. different types of students, I don't think you need to have any kinds of assumptions. For example, me, I failed all my math, most of them at least, uh, during second year, but my teacher, my math teacher, believed in me, and she's like, no, you can do this. You don't need to go to math studies, which is the lower level of math, the math standard. And Shout out to all my math studies students. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to say you guys are dummies. <laughs> but uh, it was the level that I needed to pursue and education and health. So she was like, you can do this, you can do this. And I made it. I mean, I passed with a gre- with a really good grade. So if that teacher had seen my grades from the second year, she would be like, ah, no, I don't think this, not, not only this course is not for you, this whole yeah. uh, education system is not for you. But, you know, I made it. So... But w- no, like you said, you thought it was challenging. It, yeah. Was it like was your experience very different from mine, or? My biggest struggle was like coming to a whole new different school system. Like mm-hmm. in Pakistan, we worked with our hand. We took the notes in our hand and like wrote essays and everything in our hand. Mm-hmm. But when you when I came here, it was all about Word, Excel, writing essays, making mm-hmm. presentations. I had no experience with that. No. So that was the challenging part. But I don't know if I told you, but I didn't go to like school from grade one to seven at all. I was what? in like I was in a religious school studying the Quran all the time. No way. Yeah. So no math, no science. Nothing. No physics. Whoa. Not even English. <laughs> uh, the only English I learned was from cartoons and reading books. Wow. So I had a slight advantage in that field. So when I started proper school. I just jumped into class eight, well. <laughs> and I would I would fail every class. But then I don't know. I, I kind of surprised myself that by class ninth, I was like one of the top five wow. uh, people. Yeah, in my class. So I, I guess from that experience, I was getting hmm. I, I was kind of used to overcoming challenges. Yeah. So when I came to the IB, I'm like, okay, this is difficult. This is a bit different, mm-hmm. but I will learn it. Wow. So did that teacher telling you that give you an extra push in motivation that oh I'm now I'm gonna try even harder? 
The thing is, when we first came to school, my mom was with me. We just wanted to see how the school looked like and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when the teacher saw us and she was like, no, this is not for you, um, my mom said, you know what, Ibtissam, I don't want you to go to school because they're, you're not going to have a fun time here. Mm-hmm. They don't like you from the get-go. But I was like, no, mom, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to show her what I'm able to do. Like, she made me... I am, like, in Swedish, they call it EMVs. I'm uh, like, if you tell me I can't do something, mm-hmm. I'll go out of my way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I have changed now, but <laughs> that's, that's what... That's a good quality to have. <laughs> Sometimes, like I said, I go out of my way. And when I have proved them wrong, I'm like, did I gain anything out mm-hmm. of this? Okay. And I'm like, nah, you just... So, like, when you see the pros and cons of it, it really doesn't... Um, yeah, I understand. So the focus focus becomes proving others wrong instead of reaching the goal that you had in mind. Exactly. Sometimes you sacrifice some of your values Mm -hmm. in order to prove that person wrong. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I am starting to become another version of myself that I don't want to be. And other person, like the other, that person starts to perceive me as a strong person, as this and that. But I'm not that person. I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to put a show to prove a point and then I'm back to being the person mm-hmm. that I am so it it's it became kind of exhausting mm-hmm. <laughs> to have that so now I don't do that as much but as I said it's a habit it's it's a bit hard to let go off so you don't believe in fake it till you make it uh, in some <laughs> things yeah yeah but and some other things if it's harder to fake it then don't make it mm-hmm. <laughs> try to yeah, yeah. find something that doesn't take a lot of your energy sometimes it is something that you want to put your energy on and in that case I I say fake it until you make it and even if you don't make it keep faking it if it makes <laughs> you happy otherwise then I don't think you should do it do very wise for your age. <laughs> I, Thank I, you. I, <laughs> no, I'm getting older. I'm I feel stupid <laughs> sitting in front of you. Oh, please. <laughs> no. So apart from the studies, uh, how was like the social life? How did you, uh, was it comfortable uh, setting in the Swedish environment or the high school environment? Since like most of high school outside of the studies is all about like parties and alcohol. So mm-hmm. like I never got in, invited into parties and I didn't want to like a part of me was down because I wanted to get invited by the other part of me. I knew that what they were doing at parties and I was like, that's not yeah. for me. And if I'd go there, I would cross some line that I don't want to cross. Mm-hmm. So that kind of made me, that was hard for me in making friends because if you're not yeah. socializing, going to parties or hanging out with other people, going to bars or whatever, then you're not going to make friends. Yeah, but I'm lucky yeah. I got some good friends anyways. Hmm. So... Lucky was that you. a challenge for you? <laughs> uh, for me, it was a challenge because I didn't have that many friends in high school. I had like maximum five, six friends. And these friends I don't even text with when I'm outside of school. We're just friends when we are in school. So for me, it was kind of challenging to become social and to fit in because at this point, people have started to make their own uh, you know, you know, group of friends, and unless you are from that particular group, you can't fit in, and that's it. So now I wish I had, you know, made a little bit more effort to become friends with some of the people that I really liked. Mm. I mean, I still have their contacts on social media, but we're not that good of friends. We never really were, except mm-hmm. for being classmates. Yeah. But I wish I had made effort, for example, like inviting them to my to my party in my own terms. 
and stuff or just hanging out with them outside of school. I didn't do that and now I regret it because I don't have high school friends that I can hang out with and be like, oh, let's talk about good old days. I do have friends from high school, but they're just like two, three now. So, and before that in elementary school, I used to be the most popular girl in school. <laughs> I used to be very talkative, very funny, this and that. So when that shifted completely, it kind of put me down. I'm like, am I not good enough? Or like, why is this suddenly changing and stuff? Mm -hmm. So I started doubting myself, but also, as I said, educationally, it was going hard um, for me and I needed time to work on that. Because we never really talked in high school either. Like, I think this is yeah. the <laughs> second long conversation I'm having with you. I think uh, it feels so weird that you accepted my invitation to come to this <laughs> podcast and talk. But I'm glad that uh, we kept in touch yeah. in some way. No, me too. So was there like a pressure from your parents about education? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Did they want you to go in a specific field or were they, okay, you choose yourself, whatever you want to do? Uh, my mom, not so much. My dad, yes, a very big yes. He always said, I want you to be a doctor. You're so smart. And sometimes he would even ad address me as, Dr. Ibtisam, come and look at my hand. I have a problem here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. And I really, I was passionate about health. I still am. Uh, but... Doc, like being a doctor was not really my thing. I really wanted to be a midwife. I wanted to work with babies, small babies and mothers. But so it didn't really bother me. But when he said, oh, you can be a doctor and stuff. And in high school, it was going really hard that I didn't think I was going to make it. So that made me like that put extra pressure on me. It's not just like I have to make it for my own sake. No, there are other people that their lives, quote unquote, depend, depends on. Mm -hmm. So that that made me more stressed than I should have been. But my mom kept telling me, it's fine if you don't do it. And even at one point, she bought me a, a ticket to go back to Ethiopia because she thought I was just homesick or something that I was not able to focus on my studies. But yeah, that was not um, the reason. At least it was not one of the main reasons. So yeah, I mean, I come from a, a background where unless you are like a doctor or an engineer, you're nothing. Yeah. If you are computer scientist, so what? Like, it doesn't matter. If you're a teacher, what? Is that even a thing? So they put a lot of pressure on me. And um, it's mm -hmm. not all positive, I would say. Sometimes it's good that they believe in you, that they see you as being this smart person, that you can be a doctor, that you can be an engineer. But, you know, sometimes you have to follow your heart as mm -hmm. well. What if you want to be an artist? That's like a total failure in my culture. Mm -hmm. You're an artist if you are not worth to be anything else yeah yeah is it the same in your culture yeah it's very similar i guess our parents are coming from from like a good mindset mm -hmm. because they want their children to be successful and happy and like doctors and engineers they kind of like they're a secure job yeah. while being an artist in our mm -hmm. kind of culture and countries they're yeah. not very it's not very profitable and secure mm -hmm. when i was in ninth grade my parents, I had to choose between biology and computer mm -hmm. science. Mm -hmm. And my parents had this whole plan that you're gonna go to England, my cousin is a dentist there, yeah. you're gonna go and become a dentist, study there. And then I took uh, computer science. Mm -hmm. And then I remember this very same week, I got a call from that cousin in England, and he was like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, 
I never got really interested into biology or becoming a doctor either. And yeah, throughout the years, I've changed my mind a lot. I've tried different things. I, w- uh, I wanted to be like a, a developer, a mm. software programmer. Yeah. I tried that for a few weeks or like a month or two. It was so boring. I no, man. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> No, give it a try now. Maybe <laughs> you'll change your mind about it. No, I cannot sit in front of a screen for very long. Uh, even when I'm playing I mean you're a photographer you edit photos yeah, for how long yeah 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 but I take breaks like even when I'm playing a game you can take breaks while programming too <laughs> nah it's not for me it's not for me uh-huh. then yeah it was a good thing in a way that I, get, I went to the IB and I had the opportunity to choose like politics and that mm-hmm. opened my eyes to like where my passion is like you said politics is your passion if you had gone to some other educational system where you were not exposed to politics what would you choose well actually i got into politics not just because i studied it but Mm. also when i came to sweden like before coming to sweden i was like zero interested in politics when Mm -hmm. the news would come on i would go to sleep like (laughs) i wouldn't like it then when i came to sweden it was the same time and there was like a big political revolution kind of thing happened in Mm -hmm. pakistan then i got really interested in it i was Mm -hmm. in the news and i was like hey this Mm -hmm. like uh, now the prime minister he was like back then he was protesting against Mm -hmm. the former prime minister who was really corrupt so I was like, uh, like this guy is really good. He really wants to make a change. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, I want to help people. And there are many other ways to help people other than just being a doctor or something. Yeah, true. Very true. So, but when when you say to study politics, what do you do? <laughs> what do you study in politics? Like, what does democracy mean? Or <laughs> yeah, what is a dictator? we, we like, study different uh, theories, like realism, liberalism. Mm. And we went into di- different movements, like the feminist movement, mm. the environmental movement. And then we had to, like, pick up different case studies around different conflicts and countries and about their relations with each other, mm-hmm. what kind of conflict they're in, and, yeah. and analyze different situations in different mm. ways. But now, like, recently, I got so fed up with politics as well. Really? Yeah. Like, you know how the past year have been with, like, politics. Yeah, like, everything yeah. has just exploded. Mm-hmm. And now I've, like unfollowed all the like the political pages or everything I was following on Facebook I'm like this is too much I am your exact opposite Mm -hmm. because of this explosion I'm like yo man maybe I need to (laughs) dig deep in this politics thing and now I'm becoming more interested because if you don't know anything about politics or if you don't have some idea about how things work then you're going to be lost you're just going to be a sheep following Mm -hmm. the crowd so now, I I want to get into politics, but I don't know how. It feels like this huge thing. And for me, I'm like, whoa, maybe it's better to not start at all. For me, what made me not like politics anymore was like, I noticed that everyone who has to be a politician mm. has to play politics and politics is That's corrupt. That's true, yeah. You cannot be like a good person. You cannot always make the right choice. Mm. Uh, it's just how the system is set up. Yeah, it is a dirty game. But yeah, I mean, it is a good choice if you can do good, if your heart is in the right place, mm-hmm. you can definitely make a change and yeah. I would encourage you, go for it. Uh, <laughs> but mean, would you be willing to like be in the politics in Sweden or back in Utopia? Uh, no. Uh, I I want to have 
as low profile mm-hmm. as possible. <laughs> that is something that I'm going to thrive to do. I'm, I want to stay at the bottom of this hierarchy of famous famousness where, yeah. Uh, no. But those are the people who control politics. You be in the That's background. The thing. Like billionaires see, uh, be in the background, just I give money not, to politicians. <laughs> I would not have any problem with being a billionaire. <laughs> But nah, I mean... I don't think I want to be a politician because, as you said, it's a dirty game. And once you get caught up, there is no way out. <clears throat> uh, like I have a family member back home who was in politics. Now he is retarded. But because of retarded this... Retarded or retired? Oh, retired. <laughs> he is not retired. <laughs> oh my God. What if his children listen to this? He is not retarded. He is re- retired. Thanks for the correction. For those who's listening, she put air quotes. <laughs> no, I did not. That's a lie. But yeah, he is retired. <laughs> And um, because of the war or the conflict that's going on back home, he is caught up in that now. Mm-hmm. Even if he is not in the game anymore, I mean, you did some dirty things that you need to pay for right now. So that kind of scared me. And I was like, oh, my God, that's it. Like once mm-hmm. you make that commitment, you are there for life. So no, I don't like, nah. It's not worth it. Do you still keep up to date with the current affairs in Ethiopia? No, it became a bit more, you know, overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I know what's going on. And if something big happens, I'll find out about it. But I don't want to know the details of it because there's nothing I can do. And just reading about it will just affect Mm -hmm. my humor for the day Mm -hmm. and do nothing more. So... (laughs) But in a general sense, is it like, uh, what are the like major problems, like corrupt politicians and stuff like that? Um, is it a democracy? It is a democracy issue. Like uh, the prime minister uh, have been awarded this Nobel Prize in, was it 2020 or 2019? Oh, okay. 2020, I think, yeah. Uh, so everyone thought he was a peaceful Uh, leader and all of the sudden he's starting a war uh, in some part of the country who was controlling Ethiopia for the past 27 plus years didn't leave the power mm-hmm. so people um, now think yeah now it's time for that party to go but that party doesn't want to leave or they they're acting like their own they're mm-hmm. in their own country They don't want to be about them ruled by the same law. So that kind of created some problem. But instead of, uh, you know, um, solving this peacefully, the government just started bombarding uh, the country and the civilians there. No um, humanitarian aid is allowed to go into the country. Oh, so, shit. yeah, in that sense, how is this leader a peaceful leader? Like, how could he be awarded that kind of yeah. prize and still kill millions of people? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this was needed kind of for that party to go for the new generation to take power. Mm-hmm. But this was not the right way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you're like, ah. Do you think that the new generation coming up are more politically aware and, like, because of the internet and the access to social media, mm-hmm. do you think they're, like, they're more progressive and they want better for the country? Yeah, I mean, uh, fun fact, in Ethiopia, we speak more than 83 languages. Oh, wow. And we have nine or ten different regions in that mm-hmm. country. And All of, like those regions have their own culture, their own language, their own 
political system. Everything is different. Mm-hmm. So back then, it used to be like, oh, you're from that uh, part of the the world, or <laughs> from the world, from the country. Yeah. Oh, you must be this. You must be that. Mm-hmm. And it was only one region that was in power, mm-hmm. or 90% of the people were from that region. So people thought, oh, if you're from that region, then you must be rich, you must be this, you must be that. And it has some truthness to it that if you're from that part of the world, <laughs> why do I keep saying that part of the, the world? Country, that yeah, yeah. part of the country, <laughs> which is called Tigray, that is where, where my dad is from, you have some advantages when it comes to certain things. Because as I said, I had a family member and the politics. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted something, you can just pull some strings and you get it. So in that sense, yes, the other part, the people from other uh, regions were oppressed. But um, so now the new generation, you know that this uh, regions and stuff, it's just borders. We're from the same country mm-hmm. anyways. So I don't like we don't talk about you being from that region, I being from this region, we, we speak the same language. So I think we would make a difference in some sense, but that it was that the previous party that has laid all the foundation and they have done a great job in some of the things which should not be dismissed, but you know, uh, freshness is always mm. good, fresh eyes and so I would root for the new generation to take power, even if they don't know much, well, well they will learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very similar situation in Pakistan as well. That it's very weird that people in the same country, just because they speak a different language or they're from 50 miles away, they're a different person or we have to yeah, hate them. Exactly. There's like a specific political party in mm-hmm. south of Pakistan and they still call themselves muhajis, like immigrants oh. from India, even though that immigration <laughs> happened in 1947. <laughs> oh and they still say, oh, we're still immigrants and we have to look out for our own kind and yeah. stuff like that. But know? that's the thing though, my kind and your kind, this people and that people, that's what destroys the world. Even in Sweden, you're like, oh, which part of Sweden are you from? Oh, you're from this. Fun fact, when I moved to uh, Vikram, that's where I studied university, <laughs> they're like, where are you from? I'm from Stockholm. And you're like, hey, which part of Stockholm? Mm. So you like make a bubble inside of that small bubble. And then when you're from the same area in Stockholm, you're like, oh, we're from the same area. So so you're like, oh, th- she's my people. She'll understand mm-hmm. me more if I say I want this, I want that. Oh, he won't understand me. He's from like Kiruna or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that makes you like, yeah, we're f- from Sweden, all of us. Not from Sweden, but yeah, <laughs> from Sweden. We're not international students. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, well, you won't understand. Ah, oh, you wouldn't know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like kind of goes back to our basic human nature that we want to surround ourselves with people who have similar interests like back in the day when we were in tribes like there's my tribe and there's like Mm -hmm. the enemy tribe and we're starving so we have to go and steal food from the other tribe it was I guess that same kind of wiring that we have we always want to find people who have the similar interests that's I guess the same reason like the same thinking we go through when we're looking for a partner like are yeah. we on the same wavelength? Are we? Do we have same similar interests and stuff like that? But people say opposite uh, attract each yeah, other, though. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have much experience in that. <laughs> I don't have much experience either, but I can just... Like, both of the sides make sense. Yeah. If you're opposite to each other, then you'll have more to talk about. You won't be bored by the same things mm-hmm. that you do. Maybe you get out of your comfort zone and experience new things. But at the same time, if you are similar, if you have common interests, then you don't have to explain yourself as much as 
uh, like if that person was very different from yeah. you. Yeah, it's okay yeah. if you have different hobbies, but you're supposed you're both supposed to be on the same wavelength of mindset or like your principles and morals kind of have yeah, to be same. They have to align. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. That is true. Two people talk <laughs> with no, <laughs> no experience, experience whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> talking about we're experts. And that's the there's like a, what do you call it? Uh, like a saying, coaches don't play. So when you're coaching someone... <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, you give relationship advice mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I would do this, I would do that. And you're like, have you done this? And you're like, no. <laughs> but <laughs> I've seen other say. people do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Like sometimes you don't need experience to know something. <clears throat> you just need to have comments. Because when people are in a relationship, I feel like they don't get this, the bird view of their situation. So you as an outsider can give them an advice even if you don't have an experience in yeah. what they're going through you're like maybe this could work maybe that could work mm-hmm. and they can figure out if this advice is for them or not yeah this is also like a really good mindset to have when you're looking into your own decisions like mm-hmm. if i was giving the same advice to my friend in mm-hmm. that situation what advice what what advice would i give that is from you so we can get like trapped in our own emotions and make mm-hmm. irrational decisions so you have to kind of step away look it from the outside but that is so hard to do to be like wait a minute would i do this to a friend would i say that to mm-hmm. another person that you you never like <laughs> i have this. i have this trick that when i'm making a big decision or like i have this kind of like an inkling it's kind of it's a reckless decision mm-hmm. i would imagine okay if my best friend is in that situation what advice would i give him hmm. then it kind of i mean still not perfect yeah, i'm still yeah. me and but it kind of like works when I was in uni, my mentor uh, told me a trick. When I'm doing something and I think of something else, I'm like, whoa, and then I get distracted. So she's like, Sam, just think of it this way. You have a box in your mind. So when a thought comes, put it in that box, lock it, and give the, <laughs> the keys to someone else. I'm like, I'm going to try it. So one time we were studying, me and my friend, and an email popped up, like a very important email. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to read it. But at the same time, I have to study. So I'm like, what shall I do? I'm like, no, okay, I'm going to open that box, put it in the box, lock it, and give the key. Like, I physically mm-hmm. gave some imaginary key to my friend. And I'm like, don't give me this key. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then after some time, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know what? Never mind. I'm just going to read the email. The suspension is going to kill me. So unless you have self-discipline, I guess yeah. this doesn't work. Yeah, that's kind of a discipline that's really hard to get. Like, I've seen... When you're like doing exams or something and you're mm-hmm. watching all these like how to learn quick, how to not procrastinate. And then there are people who have videos. Okay, the technique is you study for 15 minutes, you give yourself a rest, mm-hmm. you give yourself a reward of a chocolate and then you go back to studying. And then after 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you give yourself another chocolate. I'm like, but there's chocolates in the <laughs> fridge. Why wouldn't I eat it all exactly. at once? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing with self-help books mm. or the self-help industry. I, I think we talked about it a little bit yeah. la- the last time we met. It's really hard to see which advice to take and which not to take because mm-hmm. a lot of these self-help gurus or like mm-hmm. these help, self-help motivational speakers, whatever you may call them, they haven't like been through anything. They just learn stuff exactly. and then they pass on that knowledge. They're not speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. I like to follow people who have been through in the mud and who have yep. been dirty and who have gone through really bad shit. Mm-hmm. And then they have like a redemption arc. They have become something. Exactly. Have, and then they have crawled out of the mud all by all, all 
on their own mm-hmm. and then i'm like okay now this is the person i need to follow yeah because they're being real mm-hmm. and they share experience because mm-hmm. they think they can they can benefit other people mm-hmm. not because they can benefit themselves from all the money or mm-hmm. or the popularity they're going to get mm-hmm. so yeah i i read in the book Uh, the subtle art of not giving an F. Oh, yeah. And it said there are people who are in their 30s and they can they have this, I think, what is it called? Um, self-help workshops and stuff for thousands of dollars yeah. because that's the thing. Like, that's the, the hottest topic now. But they don't have much experience. Mm-hmm. They've just gone through one thing in their life and you're like, okay, this is how I survived. The guide is one, two, three, four. If you do this, you're going to survive. I promise you. And you're like, first of all, your situation and my situation is not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It might sound the same, but it's not. And secondly, we're very different individuals. So what worked for you might not work for me mm-hmm. in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I have completely withdrawn myself from the self-help industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But are you still reading some kind of books or? Not in self-help. Nothing. No. I mean, I read now psychological books mm-hmm. based on scientific studies and stuff, not people's experiences. Not that I have nothing against people's experiences, but I feel like that's where, that's what I'm into right now. Mm-hmm. I had a phase back in 2017 while I was going through a bad like uh, depression episode whatever you may call it and then I started reading some self-help books and they kind of gave me some really good lessons mm-hmm. but now I haven't read one in a while I just follow like uh, like some people on YouTube or whatever or listen wow. to a podcast that reminds me uh, what we were talking can I just uh, comment yeah. on that the reason why I withdrew myself Uh, from self-help industry in the first place is because I was mentally not in a good state and then when I was reading them they made me feel worse oh how so they're like oh you have to believe in yourself you have to put this much work mm-hmm. if you're not working if you're not doing this if you're not doing that then why are you trying then why are you complaining this like they have they make me feel like I'm not doing enough mm-hmm. or like I have to put this much expectation myself and I have to do it and for me I'm like no maybe I need to take a break like I am so tired I'm so fed up with things so that's why self-help mm-hmm. was not for me at that moment yeah you're like working night shift and they're telling you to wake up at 4 a.m exactly. exercise <laughs> drink these smoothies and yep. everything that's exactly what happened. yeah it's very detached from the real world mm-hmm There's also this guy I started following around two years ago and he, um, he said his experience is that he when he was like 20-something, mm-hmm. he went to India and like lived as a monk. Like he gave up mm. all of his possessions and everything yeah. and he lived as a monk. I don't know for how long, but not mm-hmm. very long. And when he came back, he like started making these catchy... Ah, uh, uh, Jay Shatters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like these YouTube videos. And stuff, yeah. yeah, and then everyone is talking about him, sharing his quotes and everything. And then I... And that British accent you can't forget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and his eyes are like really like yeah. green and beautiful. So beautiful. And then I was a big fan of him. But yeah. then afterwards I realized, hey man, he hasn't been through any hard shit. Exactly. And yeah. the things he said are very repetitive and they sound like things you want to hear yeah. but things that are not necessarily mm-hmm. realistic yeah yeah mm-hmm. going back to that 
like uh, one of the people I follow and I take advice from who has really helped me is um, a psychologist called Dr. Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you follow yeah. him or know about him. Yeah. But one of his, uh, he has a book called 12, 12 Rules for Life. Oh, okay, I don't yeah. remember. And so one of his rules was, you know how the saying is, you should treat other people like you would treat yourself. Mm -hmm. But he kind of reversed that rule and his rule is yeah. treat yourself as you would treat other people yeah because a lot of the times you are very hard on yourself mm -hmm. and not on other people you give them benefit of the doubt why you don't give yourself a break preach and that i've noticed on myself like i am my worst critic and my best critic That's and so then true. like <laughs> like sometimes someone saying bad stuff about me mm -hmm. doesn't whether it's about my work my physical appearance or anything mm -hmm. it doesn't bother me yeah. because i'm already giving myself a really hard time yeah. about those things <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so nobody can say anything worse than yeah. what i'm already thinking about mm -hmm. myself it's kind of like a insecurity you could say yeah and that rule kind of like opened my mind to it and it's kind of also connecting to what we talked about before about giving yourself advice like mm -hmm. you would give your friend an advice yeah so and then what you said that you have to take it easy be easy on yourself mm -hmm. get rest and yeah. figure out your life make the decisions that suit your your life not mm -hmm. what other people say that suit your life exactly because when we give advice to other people we show a lot of compassion we show a lot of love and you're like oh i'm i'm sorry you're going through this thing is there something i can do to help and then you really do your best to help that person because you don't want to see them in that in that state but when you're going through it you're like oh please just pick yourself up and do it and this is a mentality like if i beat up myself first no one else is going to come and beat me up Mm. Well, it's just going to hurt more if they come yeah. and beat you up because yeah. now you're all bruised and you're hurt. So that mentality, like, it might work because sometimes you are afraid of the the, the consequences mm. and you're like, I better do this instead of me getting punished, What whatever punishment it may be, might be failing your course or something. You're like, mm. yo, I better do this. But some other times you just don't, it doesn't work. Maybe you pass your exams but then mentally you're exhausted or you don't have that many friends because you've been focusing on your studies so much and when you're done with your studies you're like oh i don't have social life anymore mm -hmm. am i a bad person um do i attract the bad type of people so i mean it's good to be self-critic but we need to have limits i think if we love ourselves first and everything comes from the point of love and you're like oh i'm doing this because I'm, i love myself mm -hmm. i'm doing this because i think this is what's good for me then yeah if you criticize yourself it's not coming from a point of you know insecurity or mm -hmm. just looking down in yourself oh mm -hmm. i can't do this oh this is too much for me you'd be like oh i didn't do this or oh, maybe this was not my thing or maybe i didn't give it my uh, my best maybe i need to take a break today and try it some other time mm -hmm. next semester after a year when I feel ready when I mentally physically psychologically feel ready for this yeah yeah you know how people say your body treat your body like it's a temple mm -hmm. and then there is something in Islam to the effect that your body and your soul belongs to God it is mm -hmm. not your own yeah so that kind of think it that way that 
this is like a loan you mm-hmm. can say when you're like when you're renting something you you're more careful if i'm renting a car i would be more careful with the car rather than if it was my own car yeah so if you think it that way my body and my soul belongs to god mm-hmm. i need to treat it that way like in a good way yeah does that make any sense it is my first time ever hearing it but also when i heard it i i uh, Okay, a car was a good example because you pay for the car. Yeah. But sometimes you might borrow something from someone that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Some people are, for example, not religious or they're not connected with their um, mm-hmm. God as much as we are. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, God gave me this body and soul. Yeah, I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. This is my body. Like, uh-huh. I own it. Yeah. So if there is that kind of mentality, then there is not so much you can say to that person mm-hmm. by trying to convince them that this is a loan, try to take care of it. Because as we said right now, we are more compassionate towards other people or things that are not ours. Mm. So if you think of it that way, maybe if that helps you instead of this God notion, then yeah, so be it. Mm. Uh, but I feel like we need to step out from our body and our soul and then see it from a third person person's perspective and be like mm-hmm. oh I'm not feeling really well because sometimes like when people are depressed or um, uh, are experiencing some kind of anxiety they don't really see it until they have hit the bottom and they're like whoa okay how can I help I, I get help now and you're like there now but if you had that third point view then when you're going low you'll be like whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. maybe I need to get help from now so that I don't reach the mm-hmm. uh, the pitch bottom and then Become, it becomes harder to get back up. Mm. So I think it's uh, I, it's my first time ever hearing it. Even if I've heard this, uh, you, you should see no, it. I'm no audio. expert. This is like, I just no, but talk then it about was whatever an comes aha in my moment. mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I need to give it a thought. I think there's also like a verse in the Quran, which uh, I think we've discussed before, that God does not, I don't know if it, maybe it's a hadith, but... No, I remember I texted you uh, sometime. No, Wonder. it's not. No, no, no. Uh, I know what you're talking about. It's the other one I just thought about. God does not put too much burden on Unless you that you cannot bear. It's a Quran verse. Mm-hmm. Meaning, God will not put burden on one soul and. Uh, <laughs> Which no. the soul cannot bear. Exactly, like, yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I heard this, like, other, like, uh, uh, inspired like a person I find inspiration from he was talking about it he was saying that God he has written in his own book like he has the book of my destiny mm-hmm. and he has written Musa is gonna be a millionaire for example oh, and he's, <laughs> uh, he's gonna he's a millionaire he's gonna uh, like save a village he's gonna become a good doctor whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is yeah. and he said that okay when i go to god i want to work so hard i want to become so good that it just when god looks at me mm-hmm. in the afterlife and looks at that book i have mm-hmm. far exceeded exceeded those expectations oh. so i kind of listened to this and then connected that verse yeah. that maybe i think my potential is 50 percent mm-hmm. but god has put the potential in me to lift weights to lift the burden of a Eighty yeah. percent. I feel I'm done at fifty percent, mm-hmm. which is like I have yeah. more potential, and I'm like, okay, God has said that He has He would not put burden burden that which cannot I cannot bear. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I cannot put it into words. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you I, see I, my train of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're where you're going. So, 
that what? I need to keep pushing because yeah. if I'm working, if I'm pushing, that means there's still more potential mm-hmm. that I can reach. Exactly. Maybe when you reach your 80%, <laughs> you, you feel like you still can go on mm-hmm. with this thing, but you're like, yeah, yeah, I can do this, I can do this. And then you're like, nah, this is not going anywhere. Maybe mm-hmm. this is the stop. Maybe at 60%, you feel like, whoa, I'm not going anywhere. But still, mm-hmm. that burden is on you. It's not lifted. Mm-hmm. So that kind of pushes you indirectly to keep going and going. Mm-hmm. And at 80%, you stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see where you're, where you're coming from. But that is so true, though, because some of the things we experience these days especially now going back to self-help. They're like, you're not reaching your uh, your full potential. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You can do that. And you're like, what if this is my potential? And we're different. Your, your potential was 80%, let's say. Mm-hmm. Mine might be 30%. Yeah. It might be that big of a gap. And I might be thinking here, wow, Musa is very smart. Does that mean I'm dumb? Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily I'm smart and other things that you are not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we have this really bad behavior. Human beings have this bad behavior comparing our state of life to other people's state of life. Mm-hmm. Like his pot- someone's potential could be a millionaire. Not everybody could be a millionaire. Exactly. Maybe you're, uh, he's supposed to be a millionaire mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be a doctor and help children. You know, yeah, yeah. they're two diff- very different things, mm-hmm. but they're equally or like there's both good yeah but maybe when you s- you don't earn that much money and we, mm-hmm. you compare yourself with a millionaire and you're like oh shit why am not why am i not there yeah and true. maybe like like one of those self-help gurus whatever it maybe took them two years to get out of depression and mm-hmm. get their life in order maybe you're supposed to get, reach that point in 10 years exactly i shared something on my instagram i think two years ago or something <laughs> that Obama retired at 54 or something and Trump became president at 50 something and everyone has their own timing I don't remember exactly what Mm -hmm. I posted it was just like there is no competition here who are you competing against there are like billions of people in the world but it is so hard not to do that like me for example I'm sitting on my scrolling on my social media and I am unconsciously comparing myself with other people (laughs) Which is bad, and I'm aware of it, but that doesn't stop me mm-hmm. from comparing myself. Yeah, it's, it's an embarrassing thing to admit, but I have muted my friend's story, some of my friend's story, just because I get, when I see their stories, and they're, like, enjoying life, and I'm, like, suffering in some way, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, shit, like, I become envious. And then yeah. I, that was, like, I was seeing a pattern there, mm-hmm. and then I, I just muted their stories. I don't look at their stories anymore, even though they're good friends. Yeah. But then we have to think also that people only show the best part of their life exactly. on, on their social mm-hmm. media. They're not showing you the bad parts. That is true. Yeah. But as I said, it's hard mm-hmm. to think of what possibly may, be, may, may they be going through in their mm-hmm. lives that they're not showing. You might be thinking, oh, no one is no one has it worse than me mm. but in reality people who show us the best of their lives are maybe having it worse than us mm. but still it's i don't know it's just a challenge and there is no way of um ignoring this mm. because it's always going to be there mm. so i think just being aware of it and constantly reminding yourself that i'm showing the best part of my life mm. on my social media and people are doing the same so yeah. yeah sometimes i feel guilty in a way that mm-hmm. i'm like if i post like good food 
mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh, what if somebody is not going through some good time where they can afford yeah. this food? Should I post this or not? What are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I mean, it is It's hard. a very gray area. <laughs> it is hard. a very I'm gray area. I'm not asking area. you for a solution, but just like... No, my own thoughts would be like... <laughs> I share things that come. There is so many type of people on social media. Mm-hmm. The only social media I use these days is Instagram. So if I keep saying social media and Instagram interchangeably, I just mean Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I am on Instagram, I see people who just share quotes as if that person is trying to get over their ex or something. Mm-hmm. There are people who just share food. Mm-hmm. There are people who share their outfits, mm-hmm. people who share nature and stuff. And there's some people who share everything mm-hmm. that comes to their mind. And I'm that kind of person, but I don't like to share too much of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I see, sometimes when I see food um, that some other person is eating, I'm like, ah, oh, they're having a nice day. Mm-hmm. But if that, if they just start posting only food or mm-hmm. only good food, like when mm-hmm. they're eating in some, you know, um, nice or fancy yeah. place, then I'm like, they're definitely just showing me mm-hmm. 10% percent of their real life Mm -hmm. so i know maybe they're having a bad day and just they just happen to have a good meal Mm -hmm. but at the same time for me when i post something good i try to think of my friends back home in ethiopia who don't have the same opportunities that Mm -hmm. i do when i talk about my job my um, education and stuff But at the same time, this is my life. Like, mm. I want to share my life with other people. Maybe yeah. these friends are living in Sweden <laughs> and I want to show them the film that I saw or something. So I try to be as genuine as possible. Yeah. And because I am, well, not I am, I try to be. I try to think that people are as genuine as possible. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that way, I mean, it's just a complicated uh, yeah. situation. You know what you said made me realize that it's, it, it, it is also a sort of inspiration. Maybe some girls who are following you who are not as fortunate as you and me are, maybe mm-hmm. they look at our lifestyle. Even I'm not, I'm speaking like we're billionaires or something, yeah. <laughs> like our lifestyle. But whatever, if we post a fancy meal or mm-hmm. someone who's not a, as fortunate, maybe they can take it as inspiration inspiration that mm-hmm. if that person ha- uh, has this maybe one day I can get this as well especially like yeah. if you have like s- same background or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. so it's just yeah that's what I always say like social media people always put it down say it's bad and toxic I think it's just a tool you can exactly. use it for good you can use it yeah. for bad I mean it's so easy to inspire someone mm-hmm. very easy you can just share something small something Mm -hmm. that you think is ah it's nothing especially for me like when i saw an instagram influencer the other day she was recording and the call to prayer was being made Mm -hmm. and she was like guys i gotta pray i'll I'll get back to you and at that point i was not praying five times a day Mm -hmm. and for me i thought wow imagine if that person just stopped whatever they're doing and just went to pray maybe i don't need to stop what i'm doing but at least Mm -hmm. i can make some time to pray during Mm -hmm. the day so she influenced me in such a great way Mm -hmm. and for me i try to you know maybe it's not in a religious manner but maybe it's to get girls into it or to 
make someone go and take a, fr- a walk in the nature or something like that. It can yeah, be something yeah. very simple. And that person is like, wow, she, well, after working eight hours a day, she went out to take fresh air and to exercise. Maybe I can do that too. Mm. You know, something like that. So I really think social media is a powerful uh, tool if you know how to use it properly. Yeah, yeah. Like people who say it's toxic or whatever, and then you go into their feed, and it's all just like uh, people yeah. fighting over <laughs> veganism, meat eating, <laughs> which is better, Pepsi or cola, iPhone or Apple yeah. or whatever, Android. Then you're like, I see exactly yeah. where you're yeah, coming yeah, from, yeah. yeah. Like if you fill your your fridge with just like cake and candy, and then you're getting fat and sick, and you start complaining, oh, all food is bad. Yeah. That's not well, true. <laughs> yeah. What are you consuming? Mm-hmm. That is true. It's like social media and like the internet is just like, in a way, it's food for our mind mm-hmm. and whatever you put in it. It is, yeah. You're gonna, that's gonna reflect in your behavior and exactly. your, your life. That's why you need to mute some people <laughs> <laughs> if you're, if the food is not good. Yeah. I think I'm gonna make this a segment where I ask a guest what do they think the meaning of life is or not just a whole meaning or you can just say what's the meaning of your life or what's the big purpose of your life you think the big purpose I'm, I'm not gonna answer uh, the question the meaning of life I'm okay. gonna answer instead the purpose of my life yeah yeah. Uh, I feel like the purpose of my life whoa I have not <laughs> <laughs> thought of this question um, but I think okay uh, what is this your purpose like right now nowadays okay this is a good Uh, nowadays um, it's just to love myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I uh, I think we talked about this before that I started seeing a therapist which was to help me uh, love myself and know more about myself so that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing right now my sole purpose is to really know who I am what I'm doing or what I what why I do what I do mm-hmm. why I react to certain things why I hang out with certain people and um, how I can create some boundaries to cut off some people from my life mm-hmm. um, which sounds harsh mm-hmm. but it is reality uh, so that's what I'm doing right now and like religion plays a very big part in my life so I'm trying to build um deeper connection with my god i mean that's yeah. you could say uh, a very good purpose that you're achieving yeah, you're, you're striving yeah. for right now mm-hmm. yeah so you're still going to therapy uh, i have my last session on thursday Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next, okay, in two days. In two so days. You, you don't think you're going to need it anymore? My therapist thinks mm-hmm. she can't help me anymore. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, we were talking about comparing our therapists. Mine was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, the first time I went there, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was leaving after mm-hmm. the session, and she she asked me, do you want, like, a, uh, what do you call it, antidepressants? Mm-hmm. And I asked her, oh. like, you're the doctor, you're supposed to prescribe <laughs> me. <laughs> and plus, she uh, she talked about some things, and then those things created problems that I didn't think I had. Oh. So inst- instead of trying to solve the problem, she kind of, like, not created the problem, mm-hmm. but shined a light on a certain thing that I didn't think was a problem. And since then... Like that's that's stuck in my head. Like, okay, that is that thing is also a problem. But that's the thing with therapy, though, that 
Um, you <laughs> Maybe don't it was see, like an unsolved problem. Yeah. I didn't notice before. The thing is, you don't see some things as problematic because that's the way you've done things and now a therapist is coming with a fresh eye and knowledge and they're like okay this is a problem that we need mm-hmm. to address especially for me when I went to therapy like I didn't have a spe- specific problem that I, that took me to therapy I just wanted to you know just get general help mm-hmm. and more find out more about myself and stuff plus like there were some events that triggered um some uh, mm-hmm. mental issues you can say or that put me down um, that's why I went it's not like oh just just feeling good mm-hmm. wanted to go to therapy mm-hmm. but when I went there and my therapist is like uh, you have this problem that problem that we can work on and I'm like no that's not a problem mm-hmm. and she was like but that's the problem that you don't see this as a problem and I'm like no at first like it took us two to three sessions for me to be like okay maybe it is a problem mm-hmm. like I started to give up and then when I started acknowledging them as, a, mm-hmm. as problems then I can find a way to solve them so if that's really why you quit your therapy <laughs> I would advise no, no, you to it go wasn't, back it wasn't the only reason but mm-hmm. in general my therapist uh, wasn't she was I, I can't say she's incompetent or anything mm-hmm. we just didn't uh, connect on yeah. the same level and I guess our backgrounds made a very big difference she's like oh. a Swedish middle aged lady and then oh. she has like a completely different lifestyle growing up and everything mm-hmm. so you got some important like good lessons from therapy and it actually helped you wow so mm-hmm. many so many um, would you like to share some not like about your personal life but just like maybe some strategies or yeah sure um I don't know where to start from, mm-hmm. but uh, like I, I, as I said, I went there just to to know more, to discover more. Mm-hmm. So there was not like a specific theme to my therapy, but um, while one of actually the main themes was my upbringing, because I was brought up in a society where so many things were bad. Mm-hmm. When you grow up and you're like, oh my god, why did why am I as I said why am I reacting the way I react? Well, it's just because that's the only way I knew how to react. That's the only way I knew how to deal with situations. But maybe that's not the best way to deal with it. So for me, it was trying to unlearn the things that I have learned my entire life, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things you see. You see them. You see that as a problem, and you're like, "Whoa, okay, maybe that's not how it's supposed to be." And then you try to change it. So, so many. One of the main things were the main techniques that I try to use is something called alternative thinking. Okay. And that's when you use. I think it's called CBT therapy, in Swedish, Kobitia, uh, and you have a thought. That thought triggers some emotion. That emotion has some bodily feelings to it, and then that leads to reaction. How you react? I okay. think it's that's the cycle. The cycle, and the way you react, of course, like now your thoughts are leading to action. Mm-hmm. And when you have that action, you're like, oh, okay, this is how I, I react to things right now. What if I had this? alternative thinking instead mm-hmm. what kind of emotion will I have what will be my bodily reaction and then what will be my uh, action and your action would be completely different because now the way you think of things is different so that's one of the main things that I did it was so difficult in the beginning because as I said before in my culture we don't 
talk about emotions, you don't feel emotions. You, or, yeah. yeah, you try to act like you don't feel them. You don't feel love. You don't tell them. someone. Exactly. You don't tell someone you love them. Yeah. They'd be like, are you dying? What's mm-hmm. what's going on? Why are you telling me you're loving? So because of that, when she's like, oh, what kind of emotions are you feeling? I'm like happy, sad, mm-hmm. angry. Yeah, it was my vocabulary is very limited. <coughs> it doesn't mean that I wasn't feeling those emotions. It's just that I thought I was not feeling them. If I'm happy, yeah, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like shame was not part of my vocabulary, but it was one of the main things that I felt most of the time. So I tried to address that shame. It's it's okay to be ashamed. Everyone feels ashamed and stuff. Uh, I'm, I still struggle with that, but um, mm-hmm. it's it's a process. Yeah, I guess some like the general notion of therapy is that you go and if you're feeling sad, mm-hmm. then they teach you not to be sad. Mm-hmm. But I think what therapy is is embracing the sadness exactly. and navigating through it. Mm-hmm. Like I can relate to what you were talking about when a thought comes to your mind, mm-hmm. then you have to like you should like I've started doing this and it helped me a lot that I have two different voices in my mind mm-hmm. and then one one thought is saying we're going into this really dark tunnel right now yeah. the other thought the other voice should also be there to say okay no we're not going to go there mm-hmm. if we go there then this is what happened last week when we went there yeah. we, we don't want to go there let's mm-hmm. try this other path yeah. let's just let's find a distraction let's go do exercise or whatever mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I did in therapy. My therapist is like, you have this little Ibtisam and you have this big Ibtisam. And I'm like, there's only one Ibtisam. <laughs> what are you saying? Like, I don't hear voices in my head. And she's like, it's not a voice. And for me, it was like one of my early uh, therapy sessions. And when I went to therapy, I was like, what would people think about this? Like, would they think I'm crazy now or mm-hmm. that I have serious mental illness? So when she said, you have this little Ibtisam and big Ibtisam is saying this and I'm like whoa whoa lady listen <laughs> I am not hearing voices and she's like it's not about hearing voices it's which one of them is dominating mm-hmm. your thought process the little Ibtisam is the one who was brought up in Ethiopia and was made to learn these things and this big Ibtisam is the one who is in this situation not in Ethiopia she's grown up has more experiences and the way she sees the world is different from the way Ibtisam in Ethiopia uh, sees the world so and they're very different uh, version of the same Ibtisam. Mm-hmm. So you have to find this balance when you're like, okay, when you're hearing some things or when you're thinking something, you're like, wait a minute, is it if the, the little Ibtisam or the big Ibtisam thinking? And it might sound strange now to be like, what? The little Ibtisam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, would I think this way if I didn't have the same upbringing? Or would I think this way if I was not living in this situation? Mm-hmm. So then you you identify which one of them is like sitting behind the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And then you can be like, okay, no, no, no. Now is the time to switch. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I can help. I can get some help mm-hmm. from the other Ibtisam uh, who is not, maybe who's in the passenger seat or something, uh, and try to make deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a big part of therapy yeah. that, that really helped me as well. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast, and there's an MMA fighter, and he's retired from MMA, and now he goes to... Retired or retarded? <laughs> <laughs> I think in his case, he's both. He went to Africa... <laughs> To, uh, you know the pygmy tribe mm-hmm. so they're like a, 
hunter-gatherer tribe. Okay. And so he went there and then he started helping them with like building mm. wells, building yeah. houses and he got like he got like uh, malaria like five times. Whoa. He had like a, he because he's worked in the Congo and he's oh. like in the in the like the dirty water mm-hmm. and building wells mm-hmm. whatever. And he he also had like a parasite in his brain that doctors didn't know what it was. Oh my so he's God. been through a tough life. Yeah. And he has done like some drugs and he's depressed on the outside you see this person he's like a professional fighter mm-hmm. and he's also like helping doing charity which is one of the most noble acts and he's yeah. doing it in africa in mm-hmm. the heat and mm-hmm. fighting these diseases you think he's so powerful and big person but then he's just being vulnerable and being open about he's fighting depression he's yeah uh, he almost committed suicide and everything all of his depression goes back to like this one moment in his childhood mm-hmm. when he got bullied by his classmates wow all of like his whole like his whole adult life is stuck on that one moment wow and i was like oh shit so even mm-hmm. like these strong people who appear to be strong mm-hmm. also have these things yeah who, who, which they are still atta- attached to and the interviewer said that but you're not the person anymore you're an MMA fighter mm-hmm. maybe if you're bu- like you were bullied because you couldn't defend them yeah. defend yourself back in the day mm-hmm. but if someone bullied you right now you're not in the same position you can fight them back yeah so that kind of uh like connects back to what we are talking about mm-hmm. that you're not that person anymore like how you know how you call yourself little yeah. up to some big mm-hmm. up to some yeah. i call my voice little bitch <laughs> like that little bitch who's like little musa like some bad things happened to him yeah. and he's still scared he's yeah. still in that state of mind mm-hmm. he still makes every decision out of fear yeah, exactly. and sadness mm-hmm. and trauma mm-hmm. like while i'm for like a normal example is when i'm I've may put it in my calendar I'm going to go and work out. Mm-hmm. And then I start feeling lazy mm-hmm. and I think to myself, okay, little bitch, <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you today. <laughs> today I'm in control. I'm going to yeah. not let you win. I'm not mm-hmm. going to li- let my depression win. Mm-hmm. I'm going to overcome. Yeah. So, how did you break the news to your parents that you're going to therapy? Did you ask them before or did you just make it the decision by yourself? Do they even know right now? <laughs> uh, my mom knows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What And if I your dad listens her. to this podcast? Uh, I don't think he will listen. Okay. I hope not. <laughs> I will send him personally. <laughs> well, then uh, I am gone forever. He might not hear from me again. Uh, oh, no, I don't think my dad will react to this very well. Uh, because, yeah, for my dad still lives in Ethiopia, by the way. Mm. Uh, my parents are divorced. So um, my dad still has that um, Ethiopian mentality. But you still have a good relationship. Yeah, 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 right? I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only started living with my mom when I was 16. So, mm. <laughs> uh, but um, my dad is very traditional. Mm-hmm. And he was even the one who was forcing me to get into medicine. So he is that very strict parent so if he finds out that i'm going to therapy or ever went to therapy uh he would think that something serious very serious must have happened that led to this so um i don't think i'm gonna ever tell him mm-hmm. uh, i mean i have to at that some point and he just has to accept and respect that because mm-hmm. yeah at, at the end of the day this is my life and yeah. uh, i i have to do what I need to do or I want to do but my mom I didn't actually tell her until I was 
like halfway through the therapy or even like way mm -hmm. more than halfway because I didn't think she would react very well. I told, I even told my friend, my therapist, I'm like, how am I going to tell my mom? She's going to freak out. She's going to send me back home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is not very good. But one time we started talking and I'm like, you know, mom, uh, I started seeing a therapist and she's like, what, what therapist? And I'm like, you know, therapist that people, she's like, you could have talked to me. And I'm like, I could have talked with anyone, my friends, but therapy is not just about talking. It's uh -huh. about self-development, really. So I tried to um, explain to her yeah, slowly what therapy is, what I did so far, what I learned, and um, things that I'm trying to apply. And one of the things, as I said, is cutting people off from, from my life that are affecting me negatively, and that included some really close family members. Mm -hmm. So I needed to tell my mom to see if I have a green light okay. <laughs> to do that. Not to invite them in the next family dinner. Exactly, <laughs> and if I see them and I behave in a certain manner that is not, uh, you know, acceptable. Yeah, could be perceived disrespectful in a way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it would definitely be disrespectful to say to someone, hey, this is the way I'm going to be from now on. And if you don't like it, then please uh, don't contact me or something. It's going to be very rude or disrespectful, whatever people want to mm -hmm. call it. But it's the only way I know how to move forward. And I know it's going to upset some people. So that's why I wanted to involve my mom in this to see how she would think of it. And she was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, some people are not very positive mm -hmm. and they affect negatively. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So... My mom is on board with this now. And even when I tell her I'm going to therapy, she takes it very seriously. She's like, go, go, you're going to miss your appointment. <laughs> so she still sees it as something that's done in a clinic, very formal and kind of like for sick people, quote unquote. So and she became more soft after mm -hmm. that, uh, which I hate because it makes me feel like I am a patient or a sick person. Um, but it is a sickness of the brain. It is a sickness, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I went to therapy mm -hmm. for this and that. Well, I was not in a good mm -hmm. uh, mental state and I needed help. Uh, and I went there mm -hmm. and I was ashamed to speak openly about it. This yeah. is the first time ever <laughs> I'm speaking openly. Um, Me too. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, good to know. Hello, mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Musa. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I felt like when people are sick physically, they go to a doctor and they're not ashamed mm -hmm. to tell you. Even if the sickness is really weird and you're like, whoa, you have problems in that area, they still tell you because, well, this is my body reacting to things or my antibodies reacting to antigens in my body or mm -hmm. something. And they're not ashamed of it. Why should it be ashamed of my brain's state of health? Like, it just happened one time. So I want to seek help and mm -hmm. period. So it's, I mean, the notion is not perceived in a positive way mm -hmm. these days, but I guess people just have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the reasons people don't go to therapy is people will see you as weak or... I mean, it is a sickness, but when you, they see you as sick, they're like, you're like weak in a way. You don't want to seem weak. Yeah. Plus also, when you tell someone you, you go to therapy, you don't want them to treat you any different. You don't want to take like pity on you. Yeah. Like, oh, he's going to therapy. He must be sensitive. I mm -hmm. shouldn't like say that to him or 
like walk on tiptoes around mm-hmm. you, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Even that's what my mom is doing slash was doing. She's still doing it to some extent, but she is more careful of the things mm-hmm. that she say, like the, um, like when she talks about family members, for example, she's like, whoa, shall I stop? And I'm like, you can still talk about them. Mm-hmm. I just don't like them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't like that. But as you said, some people perceive you as weak. Uh, and I am weak. There mm-hmm. are some things that I'm not a strong person, and I've, like no but one is a strong person. But just one of the person. weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, no one is a strong person. Uh, even the strongest of people will maybe when they go home, they're like a complete different people. But one thing that I can say is that because of therapy, I have become stronger mm-hmm. in some things. I am more aware of. The things that I do, the things that I say, the things that I think of. And for me, that is more important than my weakness and people's thought of my my strength. So uh, am I a weak person by going through therapy? Yeah, but I have always been, mm-hmm. b- even before I went. And um, am I a strong person for going to therapy? I feel like it was brave to do so. Exactly. But it wasn't necessarily, it didn't make me brave. It just shed lights on some things that I needed to work on. Mm. Do you feel the same or do you feel like you are weak because you saw a therapist? No, I don't think so. If I thought I would be weak, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go to therapy. <laughs> But mm-hmm. I mean, going the act of going to therapy is itself reducing that weakness that you have mm-hmm. inside of you. I kind of look at it as exercise, like when you go to the gym and you start lifting weights mm-hmm. there will be people who can lift 10 times more yeah. than you can mm-hmm. and they started somewhere yeah. and when you go and you lift and after a while like people look, look at you getting bigger or they just see you working out mm-hmm. this they think that okay he's maybe he's not at the place where he wants to be but he's working towards that goal mm-hmm. so therapy is kind of like that mental exercise i have these weak points yeah that i'm working on right now i'm exercising mm-hmm. and it's gonna take a while to get there but i'm at least i am being there just admitting your own weaknesses and seeking out help is an act of strength in its own way Exactly. And you're like talking about it and yeah talking about being open about it it's mm-hmm. like an act of bravery yeah that you're being open it's like seems that it's weak that you're being vulnerable mm-hmm. but the act of being vulnerable is actually f- coming from like bravery yeah i mean you can't you can't start to the healing process before you admit that you are hurt mm-hmm. and you need to heal Mm-hmm. That's the first step. And when you have admitted that, then, well, how can I get there then? Mm-hmm. What's the process? And that's the process for some people is therapy. And that's the path that I chose. But mm-hmm. also one of the things that I'm, I didn't mention is the reason why I went to therapy was not because I Googled about it. I met a friend who went to therapy mm-hmm. for some issues. And when we were discussing one day, She was like, oh, I went th- to therapy, this and that. She didn't talk openly about it. But then I started becoming interested. I'm like, whoa, how did it help? And then I opened up and I told her how I was feeling down. And maybe this is a way I could seek help. And she was like, yeah, this is really good. You should go for it. Uh, but I was very skeptical because I didn't know if this was for me because I was just feeling down. I didn't think I needed professional help. And so she said, uh, she's a bit older than me. And she said, if I... 
had gotten help when I was your age. If I went to therapy at your, your age, I would have been a completely different person. I would have made different choices, uh, would have, would have hang, hang around people that are different. She just said things that convinced me, and I'm like, what, are you serious? And she was like, yeah, you should do it when you're, I mean, it's never too late, but the younger you do it, the better. And then I'm like, okay then. So I took uh, the therapist number from her and I called the therapist the very next day because if I start <laughs> to think about it, I'm like, ah, maybe this is not yeah. for me. So I called her the very next day and she was like, I have a spot like today, do you wanna come? I'm like, yeah. And I went, it was very spontaneous, but mm. um, it worked out and and uh, now I am very thankful, very, very thankful that I went to therapy at this age because now, like, I am very aware of the decisions that I make mm-hmm. and, like, this cutting off people. Imagine if I had kept this toxic people in my life. Mm-hmm. My deci- The decisions that I made would have been very different. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, what would they say about my decision? Ah, this is not very good. Okay, I'm, g- I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to act this way or that way. But now I'm, I'm like, yeah, um... Do I want to do this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will they be happy? No. Am I still going to do it? Hell yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm very happy that I did it at this age. And one thing that I advise my, my friends um, to do is to to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Even if you feel like you have no problem whatsoever, trust me, you will find some, maybe not problems, but areas of improvement. It can help uh, everybody. Mm-hmm. But don't you like just sometimes see like one of your friends and you're like, that person certainly needs therapy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now I'm like, whoa, that is, the, that is, they're thinking this way because of that. Mm-hmm. Like um, the way you grew up, they're different type of people, secure people, blah, blah. I read a book about it recently. Secure people, secure avoidance, secure blah, blah. And when I see people, I'm like, whoa, that person is secure avoidant. Mm-hmm. That person is secure. That person is that. So I... I became like a therapist myself. And I'm like, hmm, the way they're acting. And one of the things that I learned, because I said I suffer with shame a lot, I'm very easy to experiencing shame. It doesn't matter what kind of situation I'm in. The first thing I feel is shame. So uh, I was trying to deal with um, with that and try to figure out ways to deal with um, shame. And um, now I lost my train of thought, but um, so therapy kind of helped you to overcome feeling shame in situations. Yeah, not overcome, but kind of feel it and be like, "Whoa, um, I'm feeling ashamed." Sometimes other people. Now I found my train of thought. Now some people make you ashamed. They point out your mistake, for example, in front of other people, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh my God, why did she have to do this in front yeah. of others?" Now I'm ashamed. Everyone thinks I'm a failure. This and that. But then you wait a second why did that person have to do this in front mm-hmm. of others mm-hmm. they wanted to prove something mm-hmm. they wanted to show that they're better or they're this yeah. or they have the upper hand or they know better than you and stuff so sometimes it's not just about you communication is about two people right and more so when you're thinking about yourself and you're like maybe i don't know enough or maybe i'm this and that wait a minute maybe it's the other person yeah. making you <laughs> feel that way so when I try to talk with other people and they're like, oh, but it's like this, it's like that. And I'm like, oh, now I see why they're trying to do that. So I'm like, shall I just let them yeah, <laughs> let, yeah, let yeah. them be? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I feel that as well. When you're talking to people or when something, someone does something, when they reveal like your insecurity or make you embarrassed, that actually means that they're hiding. They want to hide their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then going to therapy kind of made me realize like everyone is broken in some way. Exactly. And it makes you. It makes me see people in more. I don't know for the lack of a better word, like more human. Yeah. That okay. I've been through some stuff, and I act a certain way. Mm-hmm. You've been through some stuff, and mm-hmm. you act for a certain way for yeah. those reasons. Exactly. And just go to therapy, and it will. One thing that my therapist yeah. told me is, if you have, I don't know, if for example you forgot to iron your shirt and you were stressed and you left the home. Mm-hmm. And then the whole day you're just thinking, oh my God, they're noticing my shirt. They're they're thinking that I'm this, I'm that, I'm a lazy person. But 99% of the time, people are in their own head thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're not even thinking about you. Yeah. So when you think that and you're like, oh, really? Then maybe I should just live my life. Mm-hmm. Because if they're just thinking about me for 1% of the time, mm-hmm. then it's not really worth it, is it? That actually helped me a lot with dealing with my anxiety mm-hmm. because I go a lot back in my memories and mostly think about all the embarrassing stuff I've done. And then so recently I had this like a revelation or mm-hmm. s- that type of thing where my cousin sent me some pictures from like really long ago when we were kids mm-hmm. and I had a lot of like bad memories, embarrassing memories related mm-hmm. to that uh, that time. And then I thought, oh, everyone, when they think about that time, they think about the things I did. Mm-hmm. But then when my cousin showed them to me, they, he started talking about his own like perspective of that story. And then I realized he only remembers what his side of story is, yeah. what his life was mm-hmm. at that moment of time. Mm-hmm. And nobody even like, that's my ego kind of telling me, oh, I'm the most important person. People are talking to exactly. me. Exactly. And also I realized when I look back at those old photos, I realized how young I was. Like I was just an idiot kid. And oh. if if at that age, like I'm still hung up on those bad memories. Mm-hmm. But if at that age, if I see my younger sister do the same, mm-hmm. I'll be like, hey, like you're so young these decisions don't even matter like why are you worrying about it Mm -hmm. and then that kind of made me realize yeah I was that kid and I'm not anymore like I've grown up so much I thought oh I was way smarter and I was way I was way older at that time and could have made a better decision Mm -hmm. but in reality no you were dumb and stupid and you were just a kid Mm -hmm. but one thing though is you still can thing is you don't need to cut off all the bad memories. The bad memories are there for yeah. a reason. They make you the person you mm-hmm. are today. Like, as you said in the beginning, people say I am wise for my age. When I talk, people do not believe me when I tell them I'm only 22. They're mm-hmm. like, no, you're lying. It's just on paper. I'm like, yeah, what else should it be on? Like, this is my age. But I feel like I am what I am because of the things that I went mm-hmm. through. Uh, I was forced to act mature than my age. And I also hang up with people older than my age. So now Naturally, I became the person I am today. So I don't think you should change your experiences or feel bad about your bad experiences. But you can still make peace with your little bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and be like, There's oh, okay. no peace routine us. We're always going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing. You need to find a way for you to listen to that person Mm. respectfully and for that person to listen to you or to listen to these Mm. two different parties respectfully and for them to have you know um, 
a meaningful conversations when you're dealing with some dilemmas. So you have to go back to that person and be like, okay, I know that you are feeling bad in this moment. There is nothing you could do. You are just a child. You had like no other point, like point of reference for you to say, well, I could have done this better. I could have, no, there, like there's just no way. And for that little person to hear this, it would make you feel better. And you're like, oh yeah, maybe I was, um, afraid of things or maybe I was dealing with um, the way I was because I, I didn't know better. So when you say these things, it sounds silly now to say to your little self, oh, it's okay, blah, blah. Mm. But this is really the only way of just feeling the pain and moving forward and be like, okay, now how can I use that uh, experience to make better decisions? Mm. Well, it's, people say usually in therapy, they tell you to forgive your past self. Yep. But for me, it's like, how can I forgive myself in the past when I didn't do anything wrong? Like, my circumstances were to blame. Yeah, but that's the thing. Your circumstances were to blame, but you but were the little Musa blaming the circumstance back then. Mm. No, you were blaming yourself. You're like, why didn't I act tough? Why didn't I yeah. do this? Why didn't I do that? Like, even if, let's say, your parents were the ones who were making all the problems, the mistakes, you don't blame your parents. You're like, I could have handled this better. I know how to do this. Mm. And you have, like, you only come up with situations uh, or come up with solutions on how, how you can make this better rather than how you can ask for help in order for other people to solve the problems in their end. Because mm -hmm. this is, as you said, it's not your problem, <coughs> but you blame yourself. So now what you need to do is go back and say, okay, hey, listen, I have blamed you and I know this was hard for you and I didn't know better back then to comfort you. But now I know better. Mm -hmm. I know this is not your problem. So, yeah, you did a good job, buddy. You you didn't cry when you really wanted to cry. I'm sorry. If you want to let it out now, do it. Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't think it's worth uh, shedding tears on, mm -hmm. then don't. So when now I listen to a specific song that is related to my situation. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to that, I cannot tell you how powerful I feel. <laughs> I'm like, yes, like I made this. Sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, like, I am so proud that I made something out of myself. Like, mm -hmm. like going back to the IB and stuff. I did it when some people did not believe in me. I had a family, like a very close family here in Sweden who was telling me, why are you going to an English school? You're not going to get into Swedish uh, universities. Don't do it. But that person just didn't want me to be better than mm -hmm. their children who went to the Swedish school system and had to learn the language for like two, three years before getting into high school. And I just took the shortcut. So now I'm like, look at what you made. Back then I was blaming myself, like, why did you do this? This is too hard, blah, blah. Why did you get yourself into situations that you can't handle? But now I'm like, whoa, if this time you made it, you must be so proud of yourself. People were telling you this is something you can't do, you can't handle. You proved them wrong. Well, okay, maybe the, that was not, that should not have been the point to prove them wrong. But are you happy with what you did? If you are, then kudos for you. So I think it's very important yeah. to talk to your past self and be like, I'm happy for you or I'm sorry that I didn't help you enough when you needed my help. Yeah. And acknowledging that and moving on, I guess. Yeah. Remembering those bad memories are, is not necessarily a bad thing. It mm. can be a source of inspiration. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think I was like young and stupid and I went through really bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I was so weak at that time 
and I still went through and overcame yep. those. I'm still alive. I'm here. Mm -hmm. So just imagine how much more stuff I can overcome. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But moving from going to therapy to yep. therapists themselves, <laughs> like therapists, I've gained a new admiration from them. Like, awesome. how can they de how can they deal with like all they do? Their whole job is based upon listening to all bad yeah. stuff like mm -hmm. bad stuff about humans. Like they see, therapists see the worst nature of humankind, like mm -hmm. the worst side of us. Exactly. How do they deal with it? And like, so now I feel like I look at that profession as like an idealistic thing. Oh, that's really cool. But the thing is the therapists themselves go to yeah, yeah. how many, my therapist was telling me she went to, was it 70 hours of therapy sessions or Oof. something? It was something crazy. I'm like, what, how? And she was like, well, you have to sit on the other side of the table for you to know what you're dealing with. Mm. I'm like, huh, okay. So I think because they went to therapy, they have learned how to handle the situations just like they're teaching us how to handle our situations. But as you said, it is really hard because you sit there plus you can't even comment like one of the things is i have a friend who is studying to become um, a counselor and she was telling me like an islamic counselor mm -hmm. but she works in sweden and in sweden like you're not allowed to tell someone well that's a bad thing even if what what they are doing doesn't align with your values mm -hmm. you still have to give yeah, yeah. them um, advice and stuff and I think that is the hardest part for you to sit there and not judge that person like that person might be telling you like I don't know drinking alcohol is good I or like I raped a child okay I and mean, you see still, your stuff. yeah confidentiality you can't mm -hmm. talk about this to some other person and you have to sit there and not be disgusted by that person mm -hmm. and be like oh okay it's it's fine what you did was fine mm -hmm. let's find a way mm -hmm. to deal with that so for me I think I have more respect for that that they <laughs> listen to the dark side of yeah. our story as mm -hmm. you said and still be okay with us mm -hmm. sitting in the same room I guess when they come into office they have to like wear this kind of like shield and mask over them that they're not a human anymore they're a psychiatrist so they have how to kind many of hours a day for yeah, how long yeah for how long like it's oh, crazy it is crazy i would rather be a doctor and be dealing mm. with blood physical pain yeah rather than mental pain <laughs> i think so I think so because I don't know. It's hard. I think I, I would this is be why a I love. <laughs> really? I hate blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Personal question: Did you cry in your therapy session? Well, I did the first time. I cried a lot. <laughs> I no, for me, I cried until like um, a couple of sessions mm -hmm. ago. I was crying all the time. Not maybe not all the time, but when something happens and you're like, especially when we're talking about Lirip Tisam, and I'm like, I cry like out of nowhere. In the, uh, in the beginning, I used to be very embarrassed. I'm like, I don't want to cry. And then I wipe off the tears and she's like, it's okay to cry. We love crying, just let it out. I'm like, but I don't want to cry. But I'm, at some point I'm like, ah, maybe yeah. it's okay. Like I'm paying this person to listen to me. Yeah. So I might as well just cry and let it out. So when I think it's when I stopped crying that my <laughs> therapist is like, okay, I think now we have dealt with your situation. You only need a couple more sessions to wrap mm. everything up and it's way to go but I think the thing is it goes back to what you were saying people perceive you as being weak because now you're getting in contact with all the emotions because as I said when I cry I cry 
but also when I'm happy and remembering happy memories, I am the happiest I've mm. ever been. Mm. Like you experience the true emotions when you just let them be. And I think this is a good thing. I'm not ashamed of crying. It's okay. I cry all the time when I watch romantic movies and stuff. Um, and when I experience... Were you really crying in romantic movies, not in sad movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, romantic like, movies oh are more heart-touching <laughs> than sad movies. Yeah. yeah. But when I cried in my therapy, it was because of a, a, like a real mm. um, problem. So that is more sad. But, you know, I cry all the time. Everyone mm. cries. So I think, I, I mean, did Not you me. cry too much? <laughs> did I cry what? Did you cry too much? Not a lot. Only in the first session. Mm-hmm. when I Because I had so many, like, suppressed stuff that I haven't told anyone in my mm-hmm. life. And when I actually started talking about them, then it all, like, it was like floodgates got open. And... Just like having those things in my thoughts is okay, but when you put them into words, mm-hmm. then I don't know, something happened. Like, Would you be comfortable crying in front of other people? Depends on what I'm crying about. Your personal issues. You went there, you, have, you had a problem, and let's say you came to me. And would you cry and tell me or just... Yeah. For you, yeah. I, I guess it would depend on my relation to that person. Mm-hmm. Like, we've been open to each other now, so... Like, I, I would be okay. Okay. But if if were, I came to you, let's say before this podcast, yeah. if I came to you and I'm like, hey, Musa, I met you, like, in the, tuna, in the train or something. Mm. I'm like, hey, Musa, how are you? It's good to see you. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're like, how are you, Ebtisam? And I'm like, I'm not really good. And you're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And I start telling you and all the emotions just, they yeah. come out. Would you judge me? Would you tell mm. me to stop? What would you? How would you do My it? My first reaction would be, how can I make you feel better? Uh, but would you think less of me because mm, I cried? No. So I, I would I would be happy mm-hmm. that you felt comfortable enough to cry in front of me, that you trust me tr- trusted me enough. Yeah. So I guess this is going back to um, treating yourself as you treat others. Ah, mind yeah. blown. <laughs> See? Uh, like, if you, if you would not judge me for crying in front of you, then if you know that person well, I, I don't think, even if you don't know that person well, if you cry, it's not about them judging you. It's about you. You just wanted mm-hmm. to let emotions out and mm-hmm. you let it. So it's about how you felt afterwards. Mm-hmm. If it makes you feel better for crying at that moment, then just do it. Even if it means that person judging you, posting it on their social medias and announcing it to the world. If if you felt good afterwards, mm-hmm. then I think there is no problem with that. Crying is a really weird emotion or like yeah. the behavior because our body just suddenly starts doing it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I don't know what's the psychological effect on your brain or like the biochemistry that's mm-hmm. going on that once you yeah. cry, then afterwards, like you're, you're, you're lightheaded and you're like, yeah. oh, the burden is gone. That is Like so what true. is that? What's the chemical thing going on in our brain? Yeah, I've never, you know what? This is something that I'm going to Google afterwards. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, because that's so true. Mm-hmm. Even if it, you're not crying in front of someone, you just cry your heart out, mm-hmm. and then that's it. You're like, yeah. oh, now I'm feeling better. Mm-hmm. Like, the situation is not dealt with, but at least you feel good to some mm-hmm. extent. The most yeah. I've cried is while I'm praying or I'm talking to God when I'm going through bad mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, the one of the beautiful things about Islam 
that I recently like got exposed to and then you know the 27th Ramadan when you all yeah. go to the mosque you mm-hmm. have this really big dua mm-hmm. and then when you see people like grown ass men like could Come be my on. my dad my grandparents and they're mm-hmm. like crying their balls out yeah like right in front of you like yeah. they wouldn't I've never seen like some people I saw crying standing right beside me at the mosque I've never seen them cry yeah in real life and yeah. that's like a really beautiful thing that we're all all together standing in line like this and then we're just like just being vulnerable in front of God yeah we might be saying the same things but we're referring to different things you like uh, okay bless me with health mm. And you are thinking of your anxiety, for example, and that person yeah. is thinking of their cancer or something uh, or like that. Or maybe the daughters. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. So you make it personal and you have this private com- uh, conversation with God. Like for me, um, now when I started praying more regularly, what I look most forward to is the praying part and having this conversation. and. Like not just you know the reading the mm. Quran and part. Of course, that's also a conversation. But like using real words, like English words, to tell God what I'm mm. going through. And I know God knows, God sees and stuff. Mm. But it makes me feel better when I let it out and be like, okay, God, I'm going through this. Do you think I'm gonna make it? Blah 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 blah. And as you said, we cry it out, and then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Now this feels amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually helps a lot when you're talking to God in your own language language because yeah. when I'm growing up like we were taught okay these are certain duas in or verses and in Arabic you have no emotional connection yeah. you just say them 20 times oh problem is solved. Yep. But once you start talking about your life like as you're talking to a therapist and you talk to the God that's like super helpful. Yeah, exactly. One more thing um before we wrap up actually two more things first thing is do you think ever that you would get rid of that little Abdusam that little bitch that I have will it ever be over or do you think it's gonna be like a constant struggle Uh, do you think like you will make peace and you'll just be like this one person uh, for me I really love the little Abdusam so I want her to be her own person um, because she's just a very fragile person um, but who tried to keep this kind of um, fake, I th- not fake, yeah, but it's fake, fake image for other people. Mm-hmm. So as I said before, everyone thought I was a very funny person, this and that, but no one saw me cry, no one mm-hmm. saw me complain about things. But it doesn't mean that life is all colorful. Uh, no, I have some moments where I just want to break down and cry, but people know me as the funny one. I can't just all of a sudden start crying and telling people about my problems. I just listen to other people's problems and make a joke about them and try to make other people feel good. So for me, I feel like I have to honor that and give her her space and be like, you are this strong person. You are the person who made me the person Mm -hmm. I am, who everyone is talking about and be like, oh, you are this now, you are mature, you are this. I'm not here because that Ibtissam was mushy and stuff. No, she had to go through some stuff for me to get here. So I don't want this uh, little Ibtissam and this big Ibtissam to be the same person. Mm 
uh, I want to see the them growing or evolving and their different ways. I feel like this little Ibtissam is going to catch up to big Ibtissam, but Ibtissam, big Ibtissam also keeps growing. Mm. So they're going to have very different experiences. Um, but I feel like, as I said, it's about having this um, respectful way of acknowledging each other's experience. This little Ibtissam can't say, whoa, you're taking a day off or you, you, you suddenly start crying in front of people. What is that? I don't want her to start talking bad about this big Ibtissam. And I don't want the big Ibtissam to say, what are, wh- why are you not crying? Are you that weak for you n- not to cry in front of people and for you to kind of preserve that image in front of others? Why do you care? Well, sh- she had to do what she had to do. Mm-hmm. And this one is doing what <laughs> she has to do now. So um, I, d- I don't think I ever want mm-hmm. them to be the same person. Yeah. Do you think this I is... I think I realize we look at it two different ways. Like yeah. you look at yourself as like both of them are good and bad in a way and yeah. you kind of find the perfect balance between them. Yeah. But I, when I look at little bitch inside of me <laughs> <laughs> that little I, only bitch. S- I, I compile all my insecurities anxieties every bad thing and I project that into that little bitch over there mm-hmm. and so I look at it as right now how I am mm-hmm. like that's me and that person is all my insecurities my procrastination my laziness so I'm kind of look at it like uh, I'm in a fight and a battle between him and mm-hmm. I can't let that Overcome. Do you think I can't let them, my depression or my insecurity, my laziness overcome what my potential is or who I want to be. But do you think this big Musa is not lazy? Yeah. You don't think he's he's lazy? No. Well, all of us are lazy sometimes. There are days where we just want to... No, I mean, the part of me that less laziness, mm-hmm. that's the other voice. So if you see, like, both of them are me, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But this one side is all positive and good, who mm-hmm. who is, like, productive. Mm-hmm. And the other part is not productive and lazy and all the other bad shit. So it's, like, good and evil and chaos and order. And then mm-hmm. it's a fight between those two. So if the good one is saying, okay, you're going to work out, the other one is saying, no, be lazy, eat a donut. No, I think this is not the big Musa and the little Musa. This is just the same person, either in big Musa or in little Musa, fighting. And we're like, shall I make this decision or that decision? But what makes the little Musa or the little bitch (laughs) different from the big bitch, (laughs) the big Musa, is really how you see through like how you see things you see through a different glass than you do than you did when you were Mm. little so i think this laziness uh i hate to break it to you but you're still lazy some days so don't just blame it on the little musa and be Mm. like oh this is this person is making me do this um Mm. yeah maybe the little musa was afraid of doing things so you interpret that as being laziness like maybe he Mm. didn't want to do things Mm. but maybe he was just afraid or he didn't have the energy he didn't have the resources so I would really 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 advise you to go see my therapist (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting any commission from it or I I hope I do a little bit use code of this for 15% off you'll find the link in the bio (laughs) Uh, but I really advise you to go see her because then you will have a really distinct picture of mm-hmm. who this little bitch is mm-hmm. and who Big Musa is. And then you're like, oh, okay, now I know which one is steering me. I know mm-hmm. which one should take control now and stuff. So um, I, I want like the opposite of the little bitch is like my potential or who mm-hmm. I want to be. 
Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling lazy, of course that is still who I am. But who I want to be is another person who five years down the line, he's successful. Mm-hmm. And if I don't listen to that potential person right now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go there. You know what I just thought of now? Maybe you have a little Musa, like a past Musa, mm-hmm. and a future Musa. It's not, just, it's not just my past. I mean, all those problems are based on my past, mm-hmm. but they're still part of me. Like Yeah, those yeah, things, of course, yeah, they yeah, will yeah. always be part of you. But I feel like yeah, c- I mean, past, yeah, I think you're right, you're right. You're trying to think of the past, and you're like, okay, I made this and that, I want to be that, mm-hmm. so now what should I do for me to get there? Yeah, exactly, So exactly. that's the kind of mechanic. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I feel like I'm being a therapist. <laughs> this is my free therapy session yeah. right now. <laughs> oh, I might start charging for this. Um, but I feel like that's the kind of mechanism you're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be good or bad, but you don't. I I feel like mm-hmm. personally, you don't need to have an image of what you want to be in five years. Mm-hmm. Make it like, make it like be open and be flexible. If you if things don't, I never imagined to end up in IT. Never. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, it became IT, so now I have to make the best out of it. So you can be the same. You're maybe a photographer now, and after five years, you'll be an actor. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. So I never thought about starting this podcast like two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're here. You never know. Yeah. So you have to be flexible and be like, and don't be like, okay, this is what I want to be in the future. What shall I do now for me to get there? You might be doing the wrong things mm-hmm. right now in order to end up that person in five years. Mm-hmm. So, the code to my therapist. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go to therapy now? Or uh, do you think uh, you don't need it anymore? I definitely need it, but part mm-hmm. of me doesn't want it. I kind of like, I'm kind of in this state right now where I like discovering things and learning things mm-hmm. of myself by myself. Mm-hmm. So I know it will help me, yeah. but I want to go through the struggle by myself. It feels very selfish and, oh, I can take care of myself. Well, ther- the therapist is not going to take care of your problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just going to give I, you tools. Yeah, tools. But uh, I feel I want to figure out those tools just oh, okay. by myself. But, but I'm open to it. If yeah. things go bad, I don't feel like I'm in a bad position as, as I was before. Mm-hmm. But... If I feel bad, then I know that that option is open for me. Yeah, but my code is not. It expires <laughs> Oh, soon. shit. Okay. I'll refer it to a friend <laughs> who definitely needs it. Yeah. The lesson I got from today's talk, if you want to go to therapy, don't go. Just use a toaster and a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> well, no, thank you so much for coming. And it has been way more awesome than I thought it would be. Me too. Talking to you. I have so many things in my mind that I'm going to Google on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was really amazing. I hope we can do this again. I really hope so yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Peace be upon you all. Bye-bye.